Hello, sixes. Welcome back to Life Uninhibited. I'm your host, Kristen Messagey, Enneagram Six, and life coach for sixes. In this episode, I end up taking a deep dive into self-inhibiting. What is it? How do we do it? It might surprise you the different ways that it shows up. It isn't necessarily obvious. So I think you're going to get a lot out of this episode. Please let me know on the back end what you think. Send me questions. I'd love to hear from you. Hello, sixes. Welcome back. I'm hoping that this podcast maybe is finding you in the middle of doing something that you don't want to be doing. (laughs) By which I mean, I love podcasts to get anything done in my house. I am not a domestically oriented human by nature. It's not, a. It, I do not like it. And podcasts make it possible. Podcasts make it so I even might look forward to doing the laundry because I know I get to wrap that experience in enhancing my life in some way or other with a podcast. So maybe you are on a commute that you don't enjoy or you're doing laundry or you're making dinner. I will say this as someone who's not domestically oriented and needs podcasts to do anything, sometimes needing a podcast while I make dinner is not actually a good combination I think it slows me way down since I'm not a great cook either. Anyway, this this could become a list of things Kristen is not good at, but that sounds sad and boring. So let's pivot to what I wanted to talk about today, which is two aspects of the Enneagram and what that looks like for us. I'm going to spend a little time on the anti-self actions, which I've talked about a lot. I'm going to keep coming back to it because it's real useful for us to know this one. And the Enneagram of Lies, which is great. (laughs) And for us, the Enneagram of Lies has everything to do with our relationship to our inner authority and any authority figures in our lives. You may have heard sixes tend to have some issues with authority. We are going to explore it today. So let's start with the anti-self action of six. Someday, I want to take you on a little walk walk around the anti-self actions for all of the numbers. They're all heartbreaking. They're heartbreaking the ways that our systems decided not without, not with our permission, right? The thing, one of the things to keep in mind always, always as we are exploring is these predictable, patterned, habitual ways of orienting in the world were decided without our permission. No human had the opportunity to be asked, is this the set of defense mechanisms you would like to keep your tender self safe in this in this uh, human living situation? Is this what you want? 
no one got to say, yes, I want that. Or "Mm, no, I'd rather have that other one. I mean, maybe some belief systems actually will tell you that they did. So what do I know? Maybe, maybe we all did get to decide. That is not a belief system I currently hold. So you all know what I mean. (laughs) I'm just waiting for someone to come along with like some predetermined predestination, whatever. I I don't know. For me personally, the way I look at it is like, I didn't choose. I don't know that I would have chosen this, but here I am with my particular unconscious set of habitual ways that I interact with the world and good to know because the more I know about them, the more I actually have a chance to do something different if I want to, if I can be with the wounded parts of me, et cetera, et cetera. So anti-self actions are heartbreaking. Every last one of them, every one of them. And they're subconscious and we don't know what's happening until we do. This is actually one part of our subconscious we can make conscious and start to really become aware of when it's happening. So name of the podcast, Life Uninhibited, comes from the six anti-self-action of self-inhibition. So what is a part of your life that you would love to have a less inhibited version of yourself existing? It's useful often to take these big general topics and make them small, specific, really take them on in small chunks so that we can not only see more clearly what is happening, but then also start to apply some orienting strategies to really help us have movement. I, you know, I think one of the reasons that I do tend to see movement and progress in my life and just who I am is, well, there's a couple different things. One, I believe that I can. I believe that I can actually change. And I am oriented to that as part of my adult responsibility in life. Those are two fundamental beliefs that I hold that really serve me in making change and applying things that I learn. The other thing is I tend, even though I, you know, suck in information like a vacuum cleaner, like the rest of us do, I really try to apply what I learn, especially if it's going to somehow, I don't know, make my life better. I'm like, I want to apply that. I want to understand that so that I can apply it to my life and have a different experience. So that sort of fundamental belief set, if you don't have that online, that is something to know. It's not something to be upset at yourself about in any way, shape or form, but it's a really good thing to know. And you can ask yourself this, what are my beliefs when it comes to actually applying things I learn in my life? A lot of people have a story running that, well, I try and then I can't and so then I don't and 
Or or it gets to be like, this time's going to be different, right? Like this big sweeping thing. This time I'm going to da-da-da-da-da. But there's also this little background story that's like, but you know that you never do. And so there's that sort of internal push and pull and back and forth and the fundamental belief being that I don't make change or I'm not capable of change or or I really need all of this external stuff to happen before I can make any change. That is actually probably a really common one for sixes. I say probably. Yes, it is. Maybe. <laughs> I need all of this external stuff to change before I can actually apply any change. That's actually going to pop us into the Enneagram of lies, which we're not there yet. So Kristen, stay on track. So here we are. The sixth anti-self-action is to self-inhibit. And it does this with doubt. And it does this with cynicism. This is the never-ending questioning and but what abouts and what ifs and all of the things that our brain offers to counteract or to squash things that come from within us. Fundamentally, as sixes, our connection to our own knowing and support of it, it's really the support of it that is doesn't come naturally because naturally we have this other thing, this system of anti-selfing ourselves with doubt and cynicism, as I already said. So what does that look like? That looks like me sitting down to record a podcast and I have these ideas. And as I sit and I try to start, I am met with a tidal wave of, well, you probably shouldn't say that because of this. You aren't actually saying that, right? You should probably spend 10 more minutes researching that one word to make sure that you get it across in a way that everybody can understand. And that person is going to think that the classic, of course, for me, you don't know what you're talking about, <laughs> et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. This is what it is, right? It's what is the tidal wave of thought that also usually comes with a commensurate emotion, right? It's probably going to be anxiety. It's going to be like a gripping of, um, do you know where your anxiety lives? It's going to be a gripping of your heart, like that chest area is going to clutch. For me, it's right smack in that solar plexus, right? There, there'll be like a tight knot right in the middle and then a band that kind of wraps around um, my chest. That is the emotional state that can tend to come on board at the same time all of this anti-selfing is, hap is happening. Did I say that right? Anti-selfing is happening. Yeah. So to get in touch with, what does it feel like for me? Okay. And so maybe for you, if we get really specific, maybe it's like I'm trying to craft an email to someone at work and I say what I think, and then all of a sudden there's the wave of like, oh, but I need to, I shouldn't say that like that. I should say it like this. Should I say it like this? Do I need to, you know, write this differently? What's that person going to think? Am I going to get in trouble if I say, I mean, it just goes on and on and on. So what is that thought story and what is the emotional 
tone that comes with it. Doesn't matter what comes first. There's usually a story and an emotional tone and they come together. And this is, maybe I'm writing an email. Maybe I'm sending a text. Maybe I am always worried that I'm going to lose my job. Maybe this is in friendships, intimate relationship, whatever. Just start to get curious. When does this happen for me? What does it sound like in my head? What does it feel like in my body when I'm anti-selfing myself? Now, what usually happens, right, is we just get caught up in the emotion. And so then we just start believing the thoughts. And whatever we originally had going on, like gets disintegrated, kind of vanishes. It's just like, what? And, or we do the thing and then the anti-selfing happens. It can hit us on the front end. It can come along on the back end. A lot of us deal with both. So are you getting curious about what does that look like for me? Getting curious is the first step to not letting it run the show. We don't want our anti-selfer running the show. Okay. Side note before we head into the Enneagram of lies. I don't know why I love that so much. I just do. Okay. Why is it so hard for us to not believe the anti-selfing, right? Why is it so hard to not believe the doubt or to believe the deep cynicism and meanness that comes on board? Why is that so hard for us? Here's one possibility. Four sixes, the kind of worst case thought, it's not, it's not, you know, that terrible thing that's going to happen. It's really this idea that if we think we have harmed our own security in some way, that is the thing that it feels like the rug has been ripped out from under us or the the very ground we're standing on. It's gone. And we plunge into stress, all the thoughts, feelings, behaviors that come with that. It is a really bad internal state for us. So when we think about why the anti-selfing is so effective, it's because if we quote unquote miss something and then do something, And then we think that thing that we have done or that we might do might somehow ruin our sense of security. We are going to take ourselves out. So if we haven't built an intentional, sturdy foundation, and I'm not saying this has to be like fully built out. We just have to start getting this conceptually. If I truly can have a glimmer of a belief that I might be okay, even if dot, 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 you fill in the blank with with what it is for you, right? 
I might be okay if I put out a podcast that is a dud (laughs) that everyone thinks is garbage trash. I might survive that. I might be okay. I might even have people tune back in. I might be like, oh, I don't know what was up with that one, but try again, right? I might survive it if I say something that sounds completely ridiculous to lots of people. I might be okay. So if I can build that, you know, somewhat wobbly, but uh, standable on foundation, then I'm more likely to move forward, right? So fill in the blank for you. I might possibly be okay if dot, dot, dot. You can take this into your very specific situations. And if you can kind of build that sense, then you're gonna have somewhere else to stand as you start to work with, challenge, loosen this anti-selfing that has you so tightly when it does, right? We don't experience it to the same degree all the time or in all aspects of life. Thank goodness. Some of us are going to experience it more than others. And in, you know, more areas of our life, that is okay. But where your anti-selfing has you by the neck I've got my fist, like, you know, like I'm gripping, like where it's got you. Those are the areas where we want to start to build a different sort of scaffolding and foundation. Like I might be okay. If this happens, how might I be okay? What support might I be able to lean on if dot, 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 right? We want to start using our minds to build something new even though it's not going to feel super sturdy at first, of course not, so that we can start to question, loosen, challenge the anti-selfing. Okay, so at this point, I was going to pivot to the Enneagram of lies. I'm not going to do that. I've changed my mind. It's too big of a thing to get into and just like tack on the end of an episode. So that is coming. I will do that next. Instead, I've decided to just hang out here a little bit longer and flesh this out because it is so, it's just such an important concept for sixes to get, okay? I've also noticed I'm using anti-selfing and self-inhibiting sort of interchangeably. Use what works for you. Pick a word that really conjures this image for you, hopefully in a way that has like compassion wrapped around it, right? So here's your tender self that does very much exist, that very much has a sense of things. And it's trying to come out and live in the world. And this personality structure is in place to inhibit it. I looked up inhibit. It's to hinder restrain, prevent. Okay, we have this personality structure that's like, don't do it. It's dangerous. You're going to get in trouble. You're going to get hurt. And really, at the end of the day, it's saying you're going to end up alone if you come out. It's painful. I want us to have compassion around that. 
I want us to understand that we don't do this to ourselves for any bad reason. We do this to ourselves because this is how we unconsciously developed as the way to stay safe in the world. So what do you want to call it? What's the image that works for you? What does it feel like when you really see this? And if it's too hard for you to see it compassionately in you, pop it out into someone else, right? Use your powers of projection for you. See this image in someone else, in someone that you know or someone you can imagine and really try to feel compassion for that. And you can really see like, oh, wow, I see that dynamic as a true response to life being scary. And life's always been scary, right? And the thing about sixes is we know that. We get that from the beginning. We're like, whoa, (laughs) this life thing is unstable. It's uncertain. The people around are, you know, maybe less than reliable. We get this in our system from the beginning. Okay, we don't have to be mad about it or upset at ourselves for that being the way of things. How can you wrap some compassion around the experience? Okay, once you've done that, (laughs) or you're working with that as part of what's at the table, right? This compassionate witness to the whole situation. And again, projecting that out if it's too hard to do for yourself. So the first thing we want to do is just get good at noticing. And this is often going to happen in retrospect first. Like, oh, I see in that situation, I was totally inhibiting myself or I was anti-selfing myself. We just want to start noticing. Now, here's where it can get a little bit twisty is when it doesn't feel like it was um, that we were anti-selfing, we were making ourselves small, right? Because if we've popped into a counterphobic state, if we've gone sort of big against our own fear, then Uh, self-inhibition looks really different. It looks like maybe we were on the attack. It looks like maybe we were, uh, maybe we thought we were defending ourselves or we were defending ourselves, but it was bigger than maybe we would have chosen. Maybe we, I mean, really counterphobic can just be very attacking. It really can. I'm not even saying that's bad. I'm just talking about it very neutrally. I want us to be able to recognize what are the different ways that we inhibit our true selves. So if we've gotten big and controlling and attacky, that isn't necessarily our tender selves, right? That's like, hey, that tender self just got put behind this wall of like a big kind of... uh, dragon looking character is how I view mine. So if we've gotten kind of big or attacking 
or we just are positioned against everything. This is the other way that counterphobic anti-selfing looks. It's just this against posture, like not that, that's not for me, that's dumb. It's a very cynical posture and it feels sturdy. This is why sometimes in counterphobic states, we're so unaware of any fear because it actually feels sturdy and energizing to be against things and to be against people and against groups. So it isn't always angry and big. It can just be, it's a positioning thing. It's like I am positioned against when, if we start to get really curious, <laughs> we can start to ask, why? Why am I against this? What am I protecting myself against? So you've got the, okay, I think I've think I've painted the different pictures. You've got the sort of, I know that I'm making myself small and I'm what ifing myself and I'm, you know, kind of like tearing myself to bits. We've got the big sort of over the top attacking, um, hiding the tender self. The tender self also gets hidden just behind the sort of like cynical against posture that can be, that can show up in uh, any number of places. So as you're listening and you're looking at your own life, you can, if you want to get curious, what does this look like for me? What is the way or ways that I tend to hide my tender self, keep myself safe automatically? And then we can start to explore what are the emotions that even if they're uncomfortable and some of them are not uncomfortable, I that are familiar to me that I can kind of start to know, oh, am I anti-selfing? Is there some self-inhibiting happening? So these emotional states are going to be anxiety, of course. You may be aware of fear, but it's probably going to be more along the lines of kind of what I described earlier, that like tight, tense, you you know where, well, I don't know if you do. Do you know where your anxiety is? Right. Let's look around the heart area. Look around that solar plexus gut area. Do you know when that's activated? That's going to be a familiar state. Another familiar state could be anger, irritation, followed or connected to contempt and self-righteousness. These are the ones that don't necessarily feel bad, right? These are the ones that can actually have us feeling a sense of certainty and sturdiness and why we might not want to explore those as readily because those ones just don't feel as bad. I mean, maybe you'll disagree with me on this, but I had to work for a very long time to sort of uproot my sense of comfort with contempt and self-righteousness. When I really learned that those were emotions that were playing very readily in my life and I did not like the actions produced from them, I it just for me, it did not align with who I wanted to be. I realized those were just 
really safe. I actually don't think I connected safety with them at the time I was doing that work. In retrospect, I can totally see it. So what we're developing here is just, okay, what are the familiar emotional states that I can connect with keeping my tender self safe? I also just want to paint a picture. What is it like to actually have ourselves be at the table, right? We want to imagine this positioning that we do as sixes is one under, one below, right? I don't think I have what it takes to sort of meet life. I don't think that what I think is as important as what someone else thinks or whatever. Or we go above and we get this sense of positioning at, over, or this sort of contemptuous, um, self-righteous againstness. Again, those feel a little sturdier, but you they sturdy and familiar. So this is the emotional states we're looking for. Where do I create a sense of certainty and sturdiness? Where am I, where do I hang out a lot? What's very familiar to me? Because other emotional states you might experience a lot might be guilt. Um, let me think anxiety, guilt, contempt, self-righteousness, anger. What am I, what am I missing? Again, and then awareness of the fear is sort of where it doesn't matter if you're positioned under or over to get ourselves to that equal. We want to be equal with people. This is when our self is online. Now, this self that we have is going to be experiencing a lot of fear as we equalize ourselves because we're taking down defense mechanisms. We're pulling ourselves up from below. We're valuing what we have to offer, but we're not overvaluing our againstness, our capacity to uh, just be like, ew, no, not that. We're not overvaluing that. We're making ourselves equal. And that just looks different. That looks like showing up in our relationships with, yeah, this is me. This is how I feel. This is what I think. This is what's present here for me. Or showing up in groups with a sort of sturdy capacity to be different, to just be ourselves, right? To courageously be ourselves, even if that actually has impact externally. It's it's very terrifying. I'm not making light of it. It's a big deal. But to have an idea of what that actually looks like and feels like is also really useful. Okay, there it is. More fleshed out version of anti-selfing, self-inhibiting. Really want you to just start to look at your own, um, you know, what is your picture of this? Where do you tend to spend most of your time? Below, above, what emotions are the most familiar? And we're just going to start to get to know when this is happening because then we can actually start to do different things about it if we want to. Okay, that's it. Talk to you all next week. Thank you for listening. I hope you got a lot out of that one. 
please feel free to share with me. Also, thank you so much to those of you who've taken the time to leave a rating and even a review for the podcast. It is so touching to see where this podcast is finding you in your life and what you're getting from it. Also, leaving ratings and reviews really helps other sixes find the work as well. So all of my gratitude and I read every single one. It is really fun. Send me your thoughts via email too if there's something you really want to hear about or feedback, anything you want me to know. My email is always in the show notes. 